0: guys. Welcome to another episode of the Derm Vet podcast. Today, we are going to go over something I feel like um, people are either really familiar with or, or really don't know much about at all, and I actually polled you guys on my Instagram stories asking your questions or inquiries about sublingual immunotherapy. So if you... Don 't know much about immunotherapy, I have previous podcasts about it, but traditionally uh, subcutaneous immunotherapy was what we used in order to try to desensitize pets but there's other forms of immunotherapy out there, and the kind of second most common form out there is sublingual immunotherapy, and then there's actually you know studies in Europe looking at intralymphatic immunotherapy, but we won't cover that today. Sublingual immunotherapy, I feel like in the last maybe decade, has gained more and more popularity and we're learning much more about it. And it's derived from human medicine where they use sublingual immunotherapy for allergens Um, environmentally. They also use it for some food allergies, so kids with peanuts, things like that. So sublingual immunotherapy is another method that we can attempt that long-term desensitization And remember going back to when we've talked about immunotherapy, it's a long-term therapy. That doesn't necessarily mean every pet that goes on it is 100% controlled with just that therapy. We still can get occasional flares. Maybe they need immunotherapy with another medication, but you know, we don't need to use as much medication such as apical or cytopoint, or maybe they need those other medications, but they don't break out as often when they were on the other antiparitica soul therapy. So there's a million different ways these pets can show improvement with immunotherapy, which is really important to realize. But subcutaneous immunotherapy has been around for a lot longer. Sublingual immunotherapy is something that Like I said, I feel like it's gained a lot more popularity even since I've just been in dermatology the last nine years. So sublingual immunotherapy, the idea behind it's the same. If we give animals, and this can be done in dogs, cats, and there's even some reports of horses, if you give them small amounts of what they're allergic to, you're hoping to desensitize their immune system. So unlike other therapies where we kind of just shut deep down either the uh, inflammatory pathway or shut down paritic cytokines, desensitization is actually trying to teach their immune system to not overreact when they get exposed to these things. That's why it's not a fast therapy. We're not just stopping something. We're actually trying to work with their immune system and teach it over time to be less reactive. So sublingual immunotherapy I got asked a lot about efficacy rate. So from what we know, sublingual immunotherapy seems to be about the same efficacy as subcutaneous immunotherapy. Now, we don't have as much knowledge on sublingual because it is something that's more recently become more and more popular, but it seems like the efficacy rate is very similar. And you can see any reports from 60 to 75%. Again, that doesn't mean there's a 75% chance that they'll only end up on immunotherapy. It just means that we might have some benefit from it, whether it's less infections, less medications, we stop the progression of their allergies, any of those things. So it does seem like the success rate is the same between the two. The difference between subcutaneous and sublingual for me is honestly, I offer it both to my clients. I don't really have a preference. My preference is what will work for them what will really increase the chances that this pet will get it more consistently what fits into that person's lifestyle what will the pet allow so if it's a person who travels all the time and someone's watching their pet for them subcutaneous is probably a better option because it's not given as often if we can get them through that initial induction phase and the pet only needs a shot every two weeks that might be much easier for the owner. If I have a owner who's needle phobic, you barely even mentioned them giving a shot and they turn white in the face. If I have a pet who's going to snap at the owner, if they even try to come near them with a needle, then sublingual is definitely going to be the better option. I have had cases fail subcutaneous immunotherapy and sublingual immunotherapy actually works. Um, I've had them react poorly to subcutaneous immunotherapy. So they have an allergic reaction or have some form of anaphylaxis and then they handle sublingual just fine. So I give owners both options and we just talk through what's going to be more beneficial for them. I also tell them if they start with one form and we find out it doesn't work that well, then we can always change. So you have to be really willing to work with your owner and just set them up for success. The best plan is going to be the one that actually can happen and get done. I got asked about cost. I can't really speak to a blanketed cost for everybody, uh, because every dermatologist, every, you know, allergen company is going to be completely different. So that's something that you're going to have to inquire with, um, you know, the local dermatologist that you refer to, or the, the serum company that you use. For us personally at my clinic, they're pretty similar subcutaneous and sublingual, but the sublingual, the owners often go through faster just depending on you know how many pumps we're having them give. And the dose is different between dermatologists because we all use different concentrations within it for the taste of immunotherapy so the preservative within the sublingual form of immunotherapy is usually glycerin or glycerinated saline so it actually tends to be pretty well accepted by pets because it gives it a little bit of a sweetened flavor the nice thing about the glycerin too is it preserves um the the antigen ingredients pretty well. So um, when we get concerned about the philosophy of, you know, do molds and activate pollens within immunotherapy, glycerin actually helps preserve those um, and kind of increases the chances that that's not happening. And if it gets left out, like in warmer weather, then it's not as big of a concern due to that glycerin. But it does tend to be something that animals are really um, receptive to because it tends to be sweetened we have them pump it into their cheek pouch or onto their mucous membrane. So it's not something we necessarily need them to swallow. It's something we want absorbed through the mucous membranes themselves. And then the last big question I got asked was medications and when to expect to wean off of them. If we start immunotherapy, when can we actually back off of the other antipyretics that we're using or the, you know, the actual symptomatic antipyretics that we're using you know what I'm going to say. It depends because that is my philosophy for pretty much anything in dermatology. It depends. I have had patients see me, you know, uh, two, three months after starting immunotherapy and they're like doing amazingly well, even better than they were on the same medications before we started. And, and we'll start the process of weaning them quickly and, and some of them will do great. I'd say on average, most pets are staying on other therapies and this is totally anecdotal. Don't quote me on, well, I guess you might quote me, but don't try to like find this in a study. But I would say usually around like six to eight months, Um, it's reasonable that we might be able to back off on some of the other medications, but the things you guys have to realize is we have season changes, like there's lots of other things happening. So I've truly had pets where it takes a year 18 months, and then we're really starting to see an effect. I've had pets where we're about ready to give up, like owners don't think it's working, they give it a couple years and then we'll say okay go ahead and stop it since we don't think it's effective and then a couple of months later the pets like the worst they've ever been and maybe it didn't necessarily get them off of other other medications but maybe it stopped their allergies from progressively getting worse and when we stop the immunotherapy all of a sudden we've lost that and the pets get worse despite antipruritic therapy so there's lots of things we have to keep in mind and this is where dermatology can get really complicated. You really have to get your owner on board for them to understand that it's not going to be a guaranteed a year later, they're hundred percent only on immunotherapy and nothing else. Um, I tell them all the things I've told you guys, like we hope to stop the progression. We hope that we can lessen the amount of medications. If we can't lessen the amount of medications, we hope maybe at least there's less infections or the severity of infections aren't as bad. So there's so many different factor in managing these cases. But I really do think sublingual immunotherapy is a great option for some owners. Some just can't do the needles, or they're afraid of that, or their pets do have reactions. And I have had plenty of really wonderful success stories using sublingual immunotherapy. So I hope that's helpful. Um, I'll try to do some more posts about it and take some pictures of it, so you guys can become more informed and see things visually um, on my social media platforms. Until next time, I hope you guys continue to find some fun in your dermatology cases.